It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On NHL podcast. What's up, everybody? Joe DiBiase from Locked On Sabres. Mike DiStefano joining me, as always, from Locked On Leafs. Mike, still got the border closed. We get to talk once a week. Not like we could ever meet in person. Uh, but, you know, we're going to have some hockey to talk about soon. So th- th- I- I'm getting more and more pessimistic, though, that we're going to be doing off-season chat or chatter for a while here. Well, that's what I, like. Hopefully, we'll have some actual hockey to talk about uh, as the weeks go on. I, I, I'm with you. I'm starting to get a little pessimistic that we will get in a, a 2020, 2021 NHL season in. So we will. We'll talk about some reporting that's happened over the last day or so on the start of the season. There's a couple of different reports on that. One of which that's very odd <laughs> on how the actual season might work mechanically. Um, but before we get into that, couple of notes that I wanted to toss in with you from Gary Bettman's interview that he did with the Sports Business Journal uh, this week on the league and the negotiations or the lack there of negotiations. It was kind of interesting to me that Bettman would refuse to call uh, the basic request for money back from the players. He refused to call that a labor negotiation. How do we feel about that, by the way? Like maybe he just doesn't want it that term put on it, but I don't know what else you're supposed to call what's going on right now. It's semantics. That's exactly what it is. I don't really understand how he's saying, no, we're not. This isn't a negotiation. That's exactly what it is. You're going back to the table and you are asking them to do something else in your favor. You are negotiating. That is quite literally what you are doing. I don't know why you don't want to call it that just because you think it it looks bad that you've already struck a deal and now you have to renegotiate and that just looks badly on you. But that is quite literally what they are doing. So it's, it's just so dumb. I don't know what, like why he has like, this is just him being a a sleazy lawyer at the end of the day. He doesn't want to use the word renegotiate because it just looks badly on him. Yeah, him I guilty. go ahead. I'm just saying it makes him look guilty. It makes the owners look guilty for going back on their word that they had back in in what June, so like yes. not even six months ago. Yeah, they signed a four-year CBA extension that was announced on July 10th, and we sit here on December 3rd, and they want to basically revisit the terms that they just negotiated six months ago, and. He says, like, they're discussing his work terminology was we're discussing short term issues and long term economic impact. Well, I think, again, that is you're trying to find a way to get money back from the players. You're looking for a bigger portion of the pie. And that is exactly what a labor negotiation is. Now, I've seen the terminology thrown around wild card or wildcat wildcat lockout. Uh, is what I've read. And to me, that's illegal. So to me, if I'm the players, I think we maybe talked about this last week. I mean, you really don't have to do anything. Like it's in writing. It's <laughs> they, they can't take you to court. Over, I mean, they could take you to court over it, but they're going to win over it. So like the players to me just, or the owners got to suck it up and start the season. And 
I, I don't know. We'll see what that looks like. And maybe that's a good segue to jump into the crazy report from Elliot Friedman that we saw on Thursday morning that four teams are looking into playing their home games in 2021 in outdoor venues. Those four teams are the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Boston Bruins, and then maybe even more interestingly, in Southern California, the LA Kings and the Anaheim Ducks are exploring the possibility of doing that as well. It's just That's a weird one, Mike. Yeah, that's where, you know, they, they lost me. When they started going south, uh, more south in the States, and when they got to, to L.A. and Anaheim, I'm like, how are how can it possibly be feasible for them to try and keep ice in warm climates like that outdoors if they're trying to do it? Now, there was a little bit of, of uh, misunderstanding, I think. I don't believe they're looking to do this as, like, a complete, schedule mm-hmm. i believe it's only select games they want to try and do this for if i'm not mistaken there's right. a little bit of unclarity as to how they want to do this and of course none of this is at all set in stone it, these are just things that owners are thinking of to try and create yeah. some sort of gate for their for their team so they could try and make up some money that they're losing by not having fans in the stands because they can't go into arenas so they're trying to, to think of ways they could do it and doing them in outdoor stadiums is a way but i mean I've been to LA in March and in April <laughs> it's like 80 degrees Fahrenheit at that point like <laughs> 75 degrees that's going to be tough to uh to yeah. keep cool and probably rather expensive at that Yeah I don't mind the idea of having like every team that is in a cool weather climate that has the the environment in order to have ice outdoors and not have it be an insane challenge I'm fine with the idea of having those teams do a couple of games uh, outdoors and having limited capacity crowds because right it's a gate-driven league we've heard a lot about the nhl and having any little bit of revenue from that area uh, would help the league and their viability i think going forward on the short term but any thought and you're right i don't think they're probably seriously entertaining this but any thought of some team is going to play a bunch of their games or like half their games or anything like that. I mean, think of the scheduling issues you're already going to have where you have a jam packed season. We're talking about playing four or five games a week. In some instances, Uh, we saw the Vegas golden Knights owner talking about that about a month ago, and you're going to have COVID cases. I assume if you're not going to be using a bubble, we saw that in major league baseball and in the NFL. And like what we've seen in the NFL, you can't expect to go through the whole season and have every single game played when it was scheduled. You're going to have times where teams have, you know, four or five, maybe up to half of their team test positive or find themselves on a COVID reserve list and you got to postpone the game or you've got to move it to another week. And to me, to throw in the outdoor aspect of that, where it's all right, well, everyone tested negative, we're good to go COVID wise, but it's raining. So we have to postpone the game now till Wednesday. Like to I didn't me, to even, throw that element makes no sense. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Like the the, the logistical nightmare that would go into trying to uh, to reschedule an outdoor game like that. Like that just would not go over right. very well at all. And let's be honest here, we, we've seen a lot of these outdoor games over the last few years. It's kind of become a a, a staple in the NHL to have a few of them every single year. It's somewhat becoming a little saturated. I believe we've talked about this before. Like, if you want to have your one staple New Year's Day outdoor game and kind of have it spread out throughout the league, uh, that's that's one thing. But for me, there's just there was 
the novelty is starting to wear off because oh, yeah. although it looks cool aesthetically, the game is actually usually a slog because the ice is brutal. Like it's just a big yeah. pile of slush or the snow is building up and then the puck doesn't glide across the ice like it normally does. And the game itself actually takes a big hit when you play it outdoors. Right. And you're right. Like it was so oversaturated. Like you had that st- that that run of four or five years between I'm looking right now at it, 2014 and last year where you threw in all the stadium series games like 2014 alone you had five you had six games and then 2015 you had a couple more and 2016 you had four more like when you're doing four or five a year i mean the novelty you're right wears off whereas Mm -hmm. if you did it once a year like all right i'm cool like i'm good with that i'll watch it uh more than just any typical regular season game probably but you know the way they're going about it it feels like you're doing it. You're going too far. And um, I don't know. I don't need to see it anytime coming up now. You know, we'll see what this means though, for future attendance and like how much, what, what kind of limited capacity uh, crowd could see these games. If this does come to fruition and we see a couple of outdoor games this season, I read or actually watched Dr. Anthony Fauci, the lead medical expert on infectious disease here in the United States, speaking this past week about he got the question. He got the question: When are we going to be able to see full crowds in sporting events in stadiums? And his answer was: Full capacity stadiums, we could see a return realistically by the summer of 2021. Now that doesn't really help the NHL because they shouldn't be playing by the time we get to the summer of 2021, let alone outdoors. And again, the whole outdoor ice aspect we just talked about. And then Gary Bettman kind of, I would say in a line with that said this week in that interview, I mentioned earlier that he thinks arenas could be full by 2021, 2022. And with the all the news coming out about vaccines right now, and it's being approved here by the by by um, government agencies in the United States, and distribution might start as early as next month, or even at the beginning of 2021. This month, I'm at December. Everything, Mike. Like, I feel like we can have a good relative guess on what the next year looks like for sports and for the NHL. To me, it's maybe almost as long as everything goes well. I think what we're probably looking at is the season's going to start sometime at the beginning of February or in late January. They'll play their 48 games. It'll look something like what's happened in the MLB and in the NFL where games will get postponed. Players will go on the COVID list, but they'll get the season in and then they'll come back in 2021 by then. I mean, the vaccine's not going to beat everybody by then, but I think it'll be distributed enough. If again, it goes well that yeah, we could see like a bit of a return to normalcy. Uh, a year from now here's the thing that i think i've 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 been wondering for a while and this especially after this week watching what happened in the nfl with the baltimore ravens where it was like days on days on days there was 10 straight days of positive tests coming out of baltimore if that were to happen here in the nhl where you had 10 straight days where a team goes and uh and test positive you're basically wiping out two weeks of of somebody's schedule. Like, I, I don't know how you could possibly make that up. At least in baseball, they were able to do makeup games by doing the the double headers and 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 all that. You can't really do that in hockey. Like, you can't play more than three periods and then be good to go a couple hours or you know an hour later and go another three periods. Like, that's just not possible to do in hockey. So if 
games start to get canceled, it's it's going to get dicey for the NHL when it comes to trying to reschedule things. The NFL, they only have one game a week. So if that uh, if they have to push games back or, you know, the only game that actually got canceled was the one Tennessee game and they were easily able to kind of switch things up a little bit and, and they didn't actually have to miss any games or add any extra time to the season. But in the NHL, I mean, you have a team like let's, like what happens in Baltimore where you end up with six, seven, eight, nine, ten COVID positive cases. And then you talk about the contact tracing that everybody could end up with. That puts that entire team out for, what, two weeks possibly? Yeah. And if you're playing four games a week, that's eight games out of a 48-game season that you've got to somehow make up. It's going to be tough sledding for both the NHL and the NBA this season. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You know, day by day, there are several walls that you've got to get through. And for me, that's, you know, getting ready for a show or getting up and having enough energy to do a workout or you got something around to do housewise. Built Go is really what you want, whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. Easy to take in 1.5 ounce packages, put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through the back nine or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. I am somebody that drinks not no sugar energy drinks all the time. I was drinking two a day. Don't Google what those things do to you. <laughs> those, those sugarless energy drinks. I'm on to Built Go now. Three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, Man, Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast, plus it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work. Visit BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Joe DiBiase, Mike DiStefano here on the Locked On NHL podcast. Let's talk about a couple other things that are going on in the NHL. First off, we are about three weeks away, just roughly three weeks, just over, from the World Juniors taking place in Edmonton, Alberta. And we got some news today, it being Thursday, about some star players that I, I was hoping to see in the World Juniors. I mean, Mike, I'm, I'm looking for my hockey fix. I'm like any which way, like we're going to be simulating games on the video game again uh, for locked on Sabres. And like, I'm actually pumped for even that <laughs> just to watch any type of hockey. Like I'm watching big 10 uh, Minnesota uh, hockey sometimes, or like if there's a Sabre prospect over in Europe, like I might check that out if I could find it. And the world juniors are coming up. I was excited to potentially see Alex Lafreniere or even Jack Hughes or Capo Caco guys that have played in the NHL that are eligible for the tournament. We find out today that the New York Rangers are not permitting Lafreniere. They're not loaning Lafreniere or Kako to their respective international teams. Lafreniere to would have been going to Team Canada, Capo Kako to Team Finland. And then the Devils also do the same thing with Jack Hughes, not loaning him to the Americans. Uh, expected, would you think, but for this move? Because like we've seen some of this in college, haven't we? Like Some of these colleges even were not letting their guys go to camps. So I guess I'm not, I'm not stunned by this. 
Um, stunned, no, but I am like a little bit surprised just because these guys haven't played competitive hockey since what uh, I guess Kako played in the playoffs. So I suppose Kako played in the summer, but for Jack Hughes and, and Alexi Lafreniere, they haven't played since March, right? And you would have to think that that would be a pretty good chance for them to get going and try and get going on the season and play some competitive games. Cause other than that, I think they're doing what they're, they're keeping them back so they can train and get ready for training camp. Well, mm-hmm. if you ask me, I think it would be more beneficial for them to be in a very competitive international hockey tournament, as opposed to just doing training camp. Like it just doesn't make that much sense to me unless they expect the NHL to start in January. The only uh, the difference here, I think, and the the thing that I'm thinking a big reason for it is because in the U.S., uh, I know in Canada, if you come over the border, you come from out of country, you need to quarantine for for 14 days uh, before you're allowed to go out in public and do anything. I believe it's the same in the U.S., right? Yes. Yeah, it would be the same in the U.S. Right. So with the game, the tournament being held in Edmonton, both Jack Hughes and Lafreniere and Kako, for that matter, um, Kirby Doc's going to have this issue, too, because he's supposed to play for, for Team Canada, and apparently yeah. the Blackhawks are allowing him to. When they go back over, they're going to have to quarantine and miss a good portion of training camp. And I think that is what uh, these teams is is what's holding them back from allowing them to go. If it wasn't COVID, I believe that there wouldn't be an issue. But I believe it's the whole quarantine aspect upon their return from the the event that is mm-hmm. going to be the big issue with these clubs. I would hope, and I'd probably be reading way too much into this by even saying this, but I would hope that they're not being allowed to play in the World Juniors would mean, right, like, or I would hope that the owners or whoever's making the decision, the GMs, uh, probably more likely, are hearing or expecting that the season is going to start maybe a couple weeks after the World Juniors wraps up. Again, that's a hope, though. And well, even, even still, like, even if it doesn't start until like, I, I would assume, I think the juniors are supposed to wrap up like the, the first week of, of January it usually ends around like the fifth or sixth of January. And then you tack on 14 days after that. Once you get back, maybe you're, you're, you can finish up your quarantine by January 20th, but that 14 days, you're kind of locked in a, in your own room. You're locked in a house. You're not skating on the ice. And maybe that's something that if you're heading into your first NHL training camp, it's not something that the Rangers would want Lafreniere doing. They would rather him be skating the right. whole time, be down in New York, getting proper training, proper reps ahead of his first NHL campaign. Cause I'm sure they're expecting him to be a big part of that team as well as Jack Hughes, expecting him to take a big jump for the New Jersey devils. Whereas a guy like, I think uh, Jake Sanderson is, a, is, is an American defenseman prospect for Ottawa. I don't think that they're going to have an issue with him going and playing because he's not expected to factor into the NHL team this season, at least. So, you know, he can cross over the border and it's not going to matter because it's not going to affect the team. Yeah. Our, our, what level of excitement do you have for the World Juniors, by the way? I know I mentioned that, like, I need to get my hockey fix. Like, is that yeah. something you're going to be plugged into 100%? Oh, 100%. Like, I'm super excited. Like, Canadians love the World Juniors. Like, we love it almost as much as an NHL game. Like, if Team Canada is playing over, uh, I would say, any other team that's not the Maple Leafs, 
probably going to be watching that game. Like on on a Saturday night, if 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 the Leafs aren't playing or after or before, like you're watching the World Juniors. You don't even have to be a hockey fan. You get into it. The gold medal game. It's it's almost like in the Olympics where the entire country is watching it. In Canada, the entire country is watching this World Junior gold medal game. Last year, when they won it, uh, when they beat Russia, uh, Akil Thomas. Mm-hmm. End up scoring that uh, the the winner uh, late in the game. Like a lot of the country was watching that game, participating in that game. Whether it was you know, well, I guess it wasn't quite virtually because it wasn't online at that point. It could still be in in the bars and stuff. But it's such mm-hmm. a big deal up here in Canada. Uh, I will definitely have my eyes peeled to it, and I think it's going to be even more especially. Um, special i guess to to watch just because we haven't had any hockey in months like it's right. been a couple of months so people are going to want to get that fix in and uh, i believe the world juniors is a tremendous way to get it and there's going to be a lot of really good prospects in this year's juniors like i said kirby doc um who played in the nhl last year for the blackhawks he's going to be playing nick robertson least prospect assuming that the nhl uh, hasn't started by then which it's not looking like it's going to. They're going to allow him to go and play. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of other really solid top prospects around the league that are going to get a chance to play basically because of COVID, which we wouldn't have been able to see otherwise. But we're going to see some top, top talents at the at the junior tournament this year. Yeah. One of which is Dylan Cousins, a Sabre prospect they picked uh, eighth yep. overall last season. And he will absolutely be on that Team Canada. And Is like the factor into the Sabres this year, though, I, I was just going to say that, like, if I had to bet on it, I think he's on the team. I think he honestly, I think they were very close to having him start the season with the Sabres last year. He was unbelievable in the Sabres preseason. Now it's preseason. You got to take it with a grain of salt. I, most people thought he was going to get at least that nine game tryout. The Sabres, just because they were running out of numbers, they ended up sending him back to juniors. But like most people would tell you he earned it even last year. So I think most would be surprised if he doesn't start the season with the Sabres. Last year, actually, it became a thing because he absolutely outplayed Casey Middlestat, who his development has gone off the tracks with the Sabres. And Middlestat was on the team to start the year and Cousins wasn't. So he right now, I think, is actually playing wing on Canada's first line. I think I've seen in their camp. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Sabres will maybe start him at third line center or they'll put him on a wing spot. I don't know yet, but like, yeah, again, like there are a bunch of those too. It's not just cousins guys that you haven't seen yet play in the NHL, but could absolutely end up playing this upcoming season. So yeah. guys that are close to breaking through like that, I would say here in the United States, you're not going to see those guys like on ESPN or sports or anything, but in certain markets like Minnesota, I'm pretty sure that this is how it is. I know it's this way uh, here in Buffalo, Boston, Massachusetts, like when they're college hockey guys, I know they're paying attention. So there are definitely pockets of the country too here. where like, we get really into it. Like I remember that 2017 gold medal game between the U S and Canada, like me, a couple buddies, like you go out to a bar to watch it. McAvoy when those two hogs are out there. 30 minutes of ice time. Yes. Like that game, like you go out to a bar here in Buffalo and again, other pockets of the country. I'm sure this is similar where like that game is on and that's what everybody's watching. Like that's what people are there for. And uh, there was that 2018 world juniors that was here where they sold out uh, the bill stadium for USA and Canada. That's still Mm -hmm. one of the best sporting events I've ever attended. So again, it's not the entire country. I'm sure like it is Canada. I'm sure. 
but there are definitely pockets of the country here that like they get really into it. And I think I'm lucky to actually be in one of those because, you know, if you live in like Kansas, like nobody even knows that thing. <laughs> nobody even knows the tournament exists, I'm sure. But probably not even going to find it on TV or at your local bar. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so I'm excited. I'm excited. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Um, We're not getting a lot of movement in the NHL. Didn't you text me this? It's been like a month since we've had a signing. Dude, a month yesterday. So as of uh, November 2nd was the last time that we had a UFA free agent sign a one-way deal in the NHL. That's crazy. So the NBA, meanwhile, and it's a little different because their season is planned and they're about to get underway this month. They had a huge trade in the league this week between the Washington Wizards and the Houston Rockets. The Rockets send Russell Westbrook to Washington for John Wall and a first round pick. And it really is funny that like the NBA, they're typically like this. They get star movement all over the place. And sometimes I can be jealous as a hockey fan that that it happens to that extent. I'm not all the way jealous because if it was like the NBA, I'm not so sure Jack Eichel would still be a Buffalo Sabre. But (laughs) (laughs) so part of me is glad that it is the way it is. Part of me wish it was more wild and like with the trades and stuff. Um, I, I was trying to think of an NHL comparable to Russell Westbrook for John Wall. And this is what I came up with. This would never happen. And I don't even know if it makes sense between the two teams, but I was trying to think two guys that have expensive contracts that used to be like top of the sport. And now they're still pretty darn good. If not even still star players. I wonder if I I wonder if I could come up with it based on that or one of the players based on that scenario. Take a shot. Do one of the, is one of the guys that you're thinking of Jonathan Taze. No, it's not Taze, but I kind of like Taze for this more than the two guys I came up with, because actually Taze is still really good. Like, I don't think Taze is still what he was in those cup runs, but Westbrook is still a really good player. Like, don't get me wrong. Westbrook are still studs in the NBA. They are elite players in the NBA. Wall might have taken a little step back. Westbrook, you're right, is still right there to where he's been. Um, No, right. They're not washed up. So. Uh, now, now, actually, you got me second guessing myself because maybe the two guys I picked are washed up. The two well, guys I picked were PK Subban and and Ryan Getzlav. Okay, so interesting that you say that because I, on uh, Locked On Leafs, I had this conversation quite literally today um, with uh, with a buddy of mine on the show, and we were talking about how much crazy movement there is in the in the NBA and the NHL. Nothing diddly squat, and I was like. 
you know, you see these amazing trades like Westbrook for John Wall, and you see these happening all the time. Like last year, Kawhi Leonard got traded to the Raptors, and you know that it's just you always see these big stars being moved. Mm-hmm. And I said, when was the last time we've even seen something like that in the NHL, where you see superstars literally getting traded for each other? And I had to go all the way back to I think pretty much like Shea Weber for PK Subban was kind of yeah. the last time we had a John Wall for Russell Westbrook type trade where it's two uh, superstar players traded for each other. It's weird that that doesn't happen. Like it used to. Uh, like I know going back and grabbing into Saber history, like one of the biggest trades they ever made was a straight up one for one trade. Pierre Turgeon, a guy that they just selected first overall a couple years before and was like great. Like he was putting up hundred point seasons. They traded him straight up for Pat Lafontaine. It's just a hockey trade one for one. And there were a billion of those back then. And I feel like, yeah, there've been a couple that definitely Weber for Subban is one of them, but right. You don't, you see him very on a minor level, minor scale right now. Like James Neal for Milan Lucic is a trade that you'll see once in a while, but nothing to the level of what the NBA does. Oh, that is not even close. Those are two, <laughs> those are just like get out of here players, or like change of scenery type stuff. But yeah. yeah, you just don't see it in the NHL. I would love, I mean, you wouldn't love this, obviously, but like you think about a couple of guys who just need change of sceneries that want to get out of there. That would be kind of a comparable uh, trade, like right now. Like maybe as much as you would hate to see it happen, but like Jack Eichel uh, traded to. Uh, LA for like guitar, right? Jack yeah. Eichel for guitar, like something That's, like that. Would be like a modern day if, comparable in the NHL, yeah. if that were, like neither of them really need to have have that happen, but like that would be just like ground shaking mm-hmm. trade in the NHL if it were to happen. And the funny part is, I, I don't think either of those two teams in the NBA got better based on those trades. Like I right. think maybe Westbrook side won a little bit, but um. Yeah, it's just weird that we don't see it in the NHL anymore. I, I think yeah. that it's the salary cap. That's what I came to to a conclusion because mm. the hard cap, it's so hard to move out contracts. Yeah. Whereas in the in, in the NBA, they got the the uh, a soft cap system where they can go into a luxury tax if they want to pay up for for a little bit more of an expensive, better player. Yeah, the other thing too, the NBA does sometimes. I think actually more often than not, I would say this hurts the volume of trades in the NBA, the volume of trades, but it helps with uh, like the, the quality of players that you'll see. Sometimes they have that thick, that mechanism where the, the salaries almost have to end up matching each other. And like, you've got a, you can't also um, like, you can't trade a rookie player who's on a minimum contract straight up for Russell Westbrook, who makes $40 million a year. Like you can't do that just to shed cap. And I think that a lot of times makes you include guys that are, have big salaries. And then that's how you get more often these types of trades. Um, but again, I think that kind of hurts the volume and trades that you get to. So it comes with its, with its uh, benefits, with its pros and cons. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to today's podcast. Hopefully we'll have some sort of news from the NHL by the time we speak next, next week. Uh, thanks for following us on Twitter. Be sure to do it at sneaky Joe WGR and at Mickey underscore Canuck. This has been the locked on NHL podcast with Joe DiBiase and Mike DiStefano part of the locked on podcast network.
Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.